and welcome back to Mark My Words Football Podcast with Rob and Scott. And after an incredibly exciting Super Bowl full of ups and downs, comebacks and leads, emotions and confusion, we sit here now and try to unpack what was a very, very historic and exciting Super Bowl for you guys. So, Scott, what did you think of this 25-24 victory of the Kansas City Chiefs over the 49ers? What did I think? Well, I think I've got quite a page of notes here, so it depends on what thought you'd like to start with. Initial impressions, I guess. <laughs> so, initial impressions. Uh, I believe that the the Kansas City Chiefs defense, which has been the strongest asset of their team throughout the season, and it really came through for them tonight, or for this game. It really won it for them. Uh, their offense, I think, struggled quite a bit throughout this game. I mean, they went quite a significant amount of time without scoring points, and their defense was really what held them in there. It, the Niners were able to move the ball like fairly well on offense for a lot of times, but ended up with nothing to show for it quite often. But the the Chiefs really being able to dial up that blitz was something that really won the game. And if you want to tap into something specific right away, I'd say for me, the play of the game for the Chiefs was right around that two-minute warning with that corner drip blitz by Trent McDuffie, which is perfectly timed and schemed up. Like, Purdy never had a chance there. He never saw him coming. And I think that's really one of the biggest reasons they won that game. Yeah, 100%. And I thought you were going to bring up that play. That was definitely – that was a first of all, gutsy call uh, by Spagnolo. I mean, he's one of the highest-rated uh, blitzing coordinators in the league, blitzes a ton, and gets a lot of good results from it. And blitzing in that spot, like third and four – game on the line 49ers get that the game's likely like over and you, you could just do run that, the ball out yeah i mean that's just so gutsy and purdy was good against the blitz like in this game uh purdy went t- uh, 12 of 19 for 131 yards and a touchdown only getting sacked once against the blitz in this game so to, to do that was like really risky because purdy kind of was burning them on the blitz throughout this game but mcduffie on that just incredible pass breakup would just really kind of uh, set the stage for the Chiefs' comeback. And I agree, the Chiefs' defense was very, very good for this game. You had them in the first half, gave, giving up a lot of yards, but able to capitalize on some of the 49ers' miscues and shut them out in the first quarter and then held them to a reasonable amount of points and yardage from there on out. I mean, against the 49ers, best offense in the league, you can only do so much. But the Chiefs' defense absolutely won them this game, getting a ton of pressure on Brock Purdy. The Chiefs pressure Purdy on 50% of his dropbacks in the second half. Think about that. 50% of the time he dropped back in the second half, he was pressured. So absolutely, the Chiefs defense won them this game. Um, But I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Mahomes and that offense coming through in the clutch when it mattered most. And Mahomes putting on what I think has been his best performance yet in these playoffs and the best performance he's had in the Super Bowl. I I think I would disagree with that. But I want to go back to something real quick because you're saying about Purdy being uh, good against it. I, I feel like I disagree with that point as well because he only had 4.5 yards per attempt. Although he completed a lot of passes, they weren't good. That's what like, you they do against the Blitz, yards. I mean, you only have so much time to get it out. Well, I think that would, it's still clues in the Blitz was working because they weren't breaking those plays. Because often when you have, when you Blitz, you leave yourself open for plays further down the field, and that didn't happen either. So showing that their coverage is also good in that play. So even if we were completing, it was still working. And per next end stats, the Chiefs ended up with unblocked rushers on nine plays, and all of those plays were blitzes. 
Mm, yeah, I, I that was a big problem. I did see now Purdy. I thought he played pretty well. Like I didn't think he cost them the game or anything like that. But the, the some of the things that I saw from him, I think you brought up you brought up a really good point here with the nine times that the Chiefs went unblocked, had a blocker. Like that's kind of on Purdy. Like at that point, there's not much offense coordinator can do. Like you you call the original, you know, Shanahan calls the original play. You get out there, Purdy. You got to look at the defense, and now you have to then adjust to what you see. It's not on the offensive coordinator at that point. So I think he needed to do a much better job in doing that throughout the game and certainly at that last play. Yeah. Uh, being for the 49ers, it seems like execution was really sank the ship for them. I mean, like we said, they're moving the ball the majority of the game, but they just ended up just kind of steaming out eventually. I mean, and you can really point to being three of 14 on third downs. Like that's significant. And probably the other most significant thing I think there was, they got zero points off of two turnovers, and then that being coupled with a blocked extra point, and there's your game. But, I mean, we can transition to what you were saying about the Chiefs, too. I think that they looked like they did on Christmas Day for most of the game. Like, they weren't able to do much. What finally sparked them was that muffed punt where it bounced off the player, and they got a one-play touchdown drive. And after that, like, they were just absolutely lights out. And like they looked unstoppable those last two drives, the where they're driving for a field goal and then for the win. And over yeah, and a lot of people are saying like this game was neck and neck. People probably would have give the edge to the 49ers uh, until that muff pump hadn't happened. And people are like, you know, that was such a fluky thing. You know, Chiefs didn't really deserve it. It's like, I mean, I'm a big believer in like you know, you know, working hard gets you you know that luck. You know, good luck happens. Um, when you work for it. So I think that, you know, you need some of those plays to, 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 to win in this, at this stage. And so I don't think it was like a fluky thing at all. Um, and the, and the no, Chiefs, I don't either. The Chiefs. Yeah. Like you said, the like 49ers failed to capitalize on their opportunities and the Chiefs capitalized on the ones that they got. And to me, like the big thing was in the first quarter. And I said, you know, before this game started, like this game would likely kind of be decided in the first half. When you looked at the first quarter, that was the 49ers quarter to own. They had 125 yards, and the Chiefs only had 16, and yet the score after it was 0-0. And then you look at the third quarter, this was the Chiefs' half. Chiefs had 57 yards, 49ers had one yard in the third quarter, and the Chiefs outscored them 10-0. to So that, the third quarter versus the first quarter difference, to me, it just highlights that, hey, look, the Chiefs, when they were rolling, they capitalized, and the 49ers did not. Yeah, that's very true. And, and like even to that overtime drive where the 49ers get all the way down to the five and kick a field goal. Yeah, I mean, can't they, do that. They, they did have their opportunity. They got Kansas City to fourth down and they couldn't get the stop. So like, yeah. it's like they had their chance. Like that was Super Bowl on the line. But I, I think going to that overtime, there's some really interesting conversations or questions to be asked about that. So, so I have an interesting question for you. What do you think about Kyle Shanahan's decision to take the ball first in overtime? Well, I when he when uh, Fred Warner said, oh, "Hey, we want the ball," like I was like, "That's a mistake." Now I'm uh, one of these per- people that it's like not always a mistake. Uh, generally, in regular overtime, people always kick it off. So you never know if you're going to get the ball back. Even then, I think sometimes you do want to take it in certain contexts, such as if it's a lower scoring game, but. And this one, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of the decision just based on how the game was going, but I also understood it. It's like, we want to go down there and we want to put the pressure on the Chiefs. We want to score a touchdown. But I think if you get the ball, 
you have to score a touchdown. Like you can't leave Mahomes, you know, with a field goal. Like if, if you're in that position, especially at the five, like, man, you, you just got to go for the touchdown at that point. So to me, like, I, you know, the decision to take the ball, it, it's, it is what it is. I wouldn't have done it, but I don't hate it. But then doing that to me, you have to go for that touchdown. Yeah. So I think there's a couple things in here. The only re- the reason why I would say I wouldn't hate it was because that defense was just coming off uh, a tiring drive there. Well, Kansas State drive for that field goal. So maybe it's not the greatest opportunity to put them out right away. So I think that's really what saved it there. But I, I think we knew that, and Andy Reid said it himself afterwards, or at least somebody did, that they were going to go for two either way Like if the Niners had scored a touchdown. So the Chiefs knew like they were going to do whatever it took to win either way. So uh, let's say for like all else being equal, would Andy Reid have gone for that fourth down in their own end if that was the first possession? I would say probably. Mm, I don't but, know, but I maybe mean, not. I don't think he would have. I mean, in that spot, it's like, ugh. like now if we're talking Dan Campbell and the Lions, I think he probably would have gone for it. But I don't know. I think you know the Chiefs' defense it got him to this place, and and you don't want to see it just end because like if you turn it over in your own territory, that's pretty much it. Like field goal wins the game. So I don't know. I like I, I said I didn't hate the call by Shanahan, but I really feel like you should have took it you know you should you should have kicked it rather just to see what the other team does like if the Chiefs score a touchdown now you have some options like you can score a touchdown and tie it up or you can score a touchdown and go for two like it just when you when you kick it off to them you the ball is in their court to see and then you get to see how they played it so I don't know yeah I mean that that's basically the whole thing is that like you can you know what you need to win yeah which exactly. is a huge thing like Shanahan's phrasing of it was like like has a little bit of logic to it, I guess. It's like, cause they wanted the ball third, but that's assuming that they're going to tie you. Yeah. Like that's a big assumption. So like the, you would have to know that you go score a touchdown and go for two or that you both score field goals or you like, like however that is. So you have to assume that they're going to tie the game and they flat out said they wouldn't have if they had the choice. Yeah. I mean, to me, the only time where you ever want to um, take the ball in overtime is if it's uh, if you if it's like a situation where it's a defensive game or or you really trust your defense in, in this moment, because well, anything other than that, you're just it's way too risky and you're just showing your cards essentially and then giving it to the other team to respond to that however they want to. So I, I'm generally the more and more I talk about it, the more and I actually start to hate that decision by Shanahan and even worse is like the fact that many of his players didn't understand the rules in overtime. I mean, if you're, first of all, if you're the players, like it's your, you're a professional, you should know the rules, but Shanahan, like you've got to go over the rules with your guys. I mean, come on, the chiefs and, and Andy Reed, you know, Travis Kelsey after the game told us that, Hey, they, we went over this many times throughout the season and the playoffs and Shanahan not doing that. I think just really contrasts the difference in this coaching staff between Reed and Shanahan. And, and that's why Reed has, ended up on the winning end of three Super Bowls and Shanahan has ended up on the losing end of three, in my opinion. That's certainly a part of it. But uh, something else, I think, for this KC offense, too, being a little bit different as it's been in previous years, they did have six guys with three-plus catches and seven with 20-plus yards. So although there's like not really a workhorse in this offense, or at least not in this game, they were spread it out through several different weapons. And, I mean, that's something that the Niners have kind of 
struggled with, especially with their better players. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs in this game, and what do we say? Like the, the receivers, just this playoff run, have definitely stepped up a lot. When you look at Valdez Scantling and Rasheed Rice, has kind of been solid all year. But in this game, it was McCole Hardman who had a very crucial drop in the playoffs a couple weeks ago. Um, and in this game, of course, having the game-winning touchdown and having some really nice plays, Mahomes is really doing a good job of spreading the ball around. And the 49ers, again, very weird. Like George Kittle, not really a factor at all in this game, which is just ridiculous. I mean, this is like your one of your best players. Like, how are you not getting him involved? And, you know, I love, you know, that we got to see Juwan Jennings make some great plays, but like, Really? Like you're not giving it to Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk more or and George Kittle only getting two catches? Like, come on. Right. And that was just extremely yeah, like a, frustrating to see. Yeah, like especially like to, to Samuel. Like, I don't know if you saw the amount of, of targets he had, like just insane. 11 targets and only three receptions. Like, that's insane. Yeah, it's and he's such a dual threat that you can use him – running passing you know throwing whatever you want like just to not do that in in this game it's like man like you're supposed to this is the super bowl you're not you're not saving any play like everything is on the table for you and this this is what you come up with like not not impressed by the offensive play calling in this one from shanahan yeah i, I would agree with that too but uh yeah mahomes though i i think he really just Absolutely impressed. I mean, throwing for 333 yards with, I mean, 34 for 46 completion attempts. That is really, really good. Also, I mean, two touchdowns. Did have a pick, which kind of ruined his his streak there. Um, in the last two playoff runs, in the last two seasons, he's only had – that was his only pick in the last two playoff runs. This is absolutely insane. Just the, the consistency he's been able to dole out here. And uh, him winning the MVP, I think he deserved it. Um, some secondary guys who I thought played really well. Um, Nick Bosa on the 49ers, like seemed like every play was he was chasing around Mahomes, just barely not get, being able to get there. But man, he must have been like guest after that one. I thought he was really good, and obviously Chris Jones, um, playing very good as well. Um, but Mahomes, I think, deserved this MVP for sure. I don't know what you think. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I, I, in my opinion, I think it may have been to a defensive player because I don't think. Because Mahomes didn't keep them in the game for the first part of it. It was really the defense, I think, that brought home this game. Mahomes was the one that ended it, for sure. But I, I would place the the winning of this game more on the defense. And I don't know that I could pick name a good one. I, like Chris Jones, to my eye, would be certainly one. Or maybe even Legereus Sneed, who was great. Yeah. Maybe uh, McDuffie, especially for that last, you know, uh, third down play. He had a great game as well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I love Mahomes for MVP on this one. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of – I mean, there's probably a lot, been a lot of Super Bowls where we could say that, where the quarterback, you know, they didn't have maybe the, the greatest game of all time, but, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, like, you know, the, the quarterback is the leader of the team. They get blamed if you lose. They get credit if, the, if you win. And so, like, this is not an absurd MVP by Mahomes. I think we've seen worse stat lines that have won it. Um, I was just – Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. so I, I wasn't, like, outraged that he, that he won this one. No, I, I'm not. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. But I, I just think that a defensive player would have been a better choice. But even though I like, I don't even know that I would have a great choice. Yeah, but I understand what without, you're saying. Like, like really, without really diving into the film or something. But I, yeah, I understand. Like your point. Like the Mahomes MVP. Like it kind of uh, misconstrues like the fabric of the game. Like this was a, def- a defensively won game by the Chiefs. And like by saying, "Oh, Mahomes is the MVP," it kind of makes it feel like you know we're not giving the the defense its due credit. Right. Yeah. 
I would agree with that. Right. And uh, yeah, so that was the, you know, one of the more exciting Super Bowls. I think now we've had two in a row that were really, really exciting. Um, of course, Chiefs prevailing and both of them. And now you, you have, look at the Chiefs and this is an incredible dynasty. I think it's safe to say it's it's a full on dynasty at this point, um, you know, rivaling even the Patriots one from uh, 2014 to 2018, you know, five uh, conference championship appearances, four Super Bowl appearances, three Super Bowl wins for each of those teams. So we'll see if the Chiefs are able to three-peat next year. And for the Niners, I mean, it looks dismal, but also you're going back to a weaker conference in the NFC. Um, Question for you, out of these two teams, which one do you think has a better shot to be back in this game next year? Man, that's a really good question. But I think I would have to say the 49ers for a couple of reasons. Like, number one, due to the fact that you said like the NFC is a bit of a weaker conference overall. And number two, I think that the 49ers just have a little bit more talent than the Chiefs. I mean, there's no, there's no doubting that the, the Chiefs are great, but I think that they just have a little bit more of a gauntlet in the AFC. And I think one of these times it's found that somebody's going to trip them up, whether it's Baltimore, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Houston, like, there's plenty of options there that that could happen. Whereas in the NFC, I just feel like there's just not quite as much of that. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it seems kind of like slanderous to say that, you know, after the Chiefs' big day and winning their third Super Bowl with Mahomes. But I would agree. And I don't think the Chiefs can get back to this game with these same receivers. Like, I know that they were able to overcome it this time. But, man, I think you really need to add someone there. Whereas the 49ers, they have everything they need already. And I think Purdy will get even better next year, or I hope he will. Um, so, yeah, I would agree with that, 49ers. Well, I think to your point, I think that probably made it more impressive for the Chiefs to do it this year when like everyone was down on them and they made it through the gauntlet. They made it through being underdogs on the road multiple times through the AFC playoffs and like still like pretty smoothly got out. Like, like they handily won in Baltimore. They destroyed the Dolphins. I mean, Buffalo was a close game, but they didn't end up sweating it out horribly at the end. Yeah, and that's what makes like the Mahomes thing very impressive because like he was dealing with like very suboptimal receivers. Like I just think about like you know if, if this was like Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers or anyone else. Like, and if they lose in the playoffs, like so many years where Rodgers lost, and it was always something we blamed it on. Like, oh, you know, his receivers aren't good. All he has is like one guy, Devontae Adams. Like, or, or the defense wasn't great this year. Like, it's always something that we blame it on. And yet Mahomes is like, whatever. I Give me whoever we got. Like, I'm going to go win a Super Bowl. And it's like, obviously, it's not just him. There's a lot of people, a lot of talent. But it seems like, you know, he had all the excuses. Like, he literally had the, like one of the worst receiving cores in the league, and yet didn't matter. Still came out on top. So, just very impressive Super Bowl run. For sure. All right. And it is from there that we will transition to the next segment, the clown of the week for the Super Bowl. Everybody loves a good clown. And now it's time to meet the NFL's clown of the week for this week. And this week, the clown of the week in the NFL is Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. So post-game after his Super Bowl win, Patrick Mahomes delivered some interesting quotes about the overtime rules, saying, I mean, we changed the rules so we can execute them both ways. I don't know how they're going to change them this time. Like, basically referring to uh, the rules were changed because of them, because they win. Well, maybe you're forgetting a little thing 
that happened before when the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes lost to the New England Patriots in the same way that Buffalo lost to the Chiefs. And you know who took that parole proposal to the proposal committee? The Chiefs. So don't act like it came about just because you won. You were literally the ones that took it to the rule committee before. It's act like, oh, what rule are they going to change this time? Like, literally nobody is saying that. Nobody thinks that. Like, just get off through your high horse here and just remember a little bit of the past here, okay? Patrick Mahomes, you're the clown of the week for that comment. And from there, we will transition to our bets for the Super Bowl. So we're doing a recap of the bets we made. And Scott, why don't you tell the folks how you did on your bets? Yeah, so not too great for me. Uh, on my parlay, I did hit with the under, but did not hit San Francisco on the money line or on the spread at minus two and a half. Also did not hit either of my extra bets here with George Kittle on the over three and a half. He went under and Debo Samuel went under 16 and a half rushing yards. So overall, not a very good betting Super Bowl for me. How did things go for you, Rob? Well, I missed on most of the bets that I made, but I did come out with a positive monetary number. So that is good. But let's recap it here. So the parlay that I had, Marquez Valdez-Scantling over 50 yards was a miss. Brock Purdy over uh, 13.5 on the rushing yards was a narrow miss as he had 12. And Kelsey, anytime touchdown scorer, was also a miss. So, uh, yeah, just a big doozy there on the parlay. And my two other little side bets here, either quarterback for a 50-plus pass or pass completion, that hit when Mahomes hit a 50-yarder to Hardman. And I also had 49ers with zero points in the fourth quarter. That did not hit as they scored nine. By the way, the highest the Chiefs um, have allowed in about nine games. So did not hit on those. But uh, with that quarterback 50-plus, that gave me a positive number for the Super Bowl. Well, at least there is that. Yeah, at least there is that. Uh, so that that concludes uh, my betting season uh, on the year. No reason to bet anymore after that one. And uh, speaking of the year, we now do some reflecting on what was a very, very exciting 2023-2024 NFL football season. And we go now into the recap of that. So I'll give everybody a quick reminder of how our season predictions point system works. So we start the season by going through each game individually through a simulator and picking the results of each game to get some correct standings for the end of the year. And you're going to get points based off your team records. Correctly predicting a team's record is worth 15 points. If you're one game off, it's worth 10 points. Two games off is five points. And three games off is two points. Anything more than three is zero points. We also do our NFL awards winners. If you correctly predict the award winner, that's worth 10 points. And if your award winner is nominated but does not win, that's worth five. And where you get some able to get some big-time points and catch up is in the playoffs, as you can get 5, 10, or 15 points for your team advancing to the corresponding round, as well as a Bonus 15 points if you are able to correctly predict a matchup. So with all of that being said, we will start to get into our standings. 
So let's start off right at the top of my page here, where we had the AFC East. Where in the AFC East, I had 30 points, and Rob had 15. And this year, we had the Buffalo Bills going 11-6, and six, the Miami Dolphins going 11-6, and six, the New York Jets at 7-10, and 10, and the New England Patriots at 4-13. and 13. Yeah, so this division really got the best of me here. Uh, really, uh, at uh, in uh, Monday Night Football, after uh, Rodgers going out there on the field, waving the American flag, everything looked amazing for the Jets. I had them going 12-5 and five, uh, to start the year. And after seeing him going out with that American flag, I was like, yes, this is happening. And then uh, it wasn't. You know, four plays later, that was over. And uh, so he had Jets going 7-10. and 10 not able to really Im- uh, be of impact in this division. And the Bills looking like they would obviously like maybe miss the playoffs, certainly not win the division, but ro- they roaring back, take over the Miami Dolphins and uh, conquer the AFC East once more, I think was a pretty big surprise to me. Uh, what did you think about this division this year? Pretty exciting. Yeah, it was a good division this year. I think Miami was kind of about what I thought they would be, maybe slightly better. Uh, the Bills have probably predicted them a little too high, being a homer and all, you know. But I was very happy that I was quite close with the New England Patriots, finally, as I I believe I predicted them around the same record last year with five wins. Yeah, I this year I had them at nine and eight. Uh, it doesn't look so good now. And also, the Dolphins, like, at eight and nine. Just because I, th- I had some concerns about Tua's health and how he would look this year, um, how you know those concussions impacted him and his confidence. Uh, but the Dolphins proved to be you know pretty explosive on offense, but just didn't have the the uh, you know the grind and the grit to get through the latter portion of the season. Um, and you know going forward next year, I really look forward to see you know what the Jets are able to do finally, hopefully with Rodgers going in there for a full season, and how the Bills are able to respond after a bit of a tumultuous year. For sure. And next up, we'll head on to the AFC West, where I had 10 points and Rob had 20. And in that division, you had the Chiefs at 11 and 6, the Raiders at 8 and 9, the Broncos at 8 and 9, and the Chargers at 5 and 12. Yeah, this one was, again, a little bit uh, surprising here. The Chiefs really struggling. I thought they would get the number one seed fairly easily in the AFC. And uh, I also did not see the Chargers just plummeting that low to 5-12. and 12. Um, I, I thought I was a little lower on them than some people were this year just because Brandon Staley uh, had me on guard, but I never thought 5-12 and 12 for them. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I was pretty high on them, so obviously getting zero points for both of us off of that after a very disappointing season for them. And I also lost on some points with the Raiders because I thought they would be quite a bit worse than 8-9. and nine. Yeah, and the Broncos... Um, you know, coming in there at the end, really to save my prediction of them, because it looked like they were going to be a bottom feeder. I had them at seven and ten. They roared back and were able to get to eight and nine. But uh, yeah, for a while there, it looked like, you know, man, Russell Wilson is just is beyond saving, even with Sean Payton there. And uh, who knows what's going to happen going forward if he's still going to be the starter? I would highly doubt it. But uh, yeah, definitely a division that surprised me in a lot of ways. Although the Chiefs did end up atop of it, which which helped my predictions a little bit there. For sure. And after that, we'll go on to the AFC North, where in that division, I had 42 points and Rob had 15. And in that division, we had Baltimore going 13 and 4, Cleveland 11 and 6, Pittsburgh at 10 and 7, and Cincinnati at 9 and 8. 
Yeah, this one, I think we could all safely say it was the most interesting in the NFL, was the topic of conversation almost every single week um, in the NFL, and just a lot of controversy and uh, differing opinions. I, I think we still disagree on uh, you know the talent level and the, the performance of a lot of these teams, even today. Yeah, but uh, I think pretty luckily for me, I got two teams a record perfect with the Ravens and Browns being right. And also only one game off for the Steelers. So, yeah, definitely to my quite a good score for, for this round. My best division overall. Yeah, you, you really hit the uh, the nail on the head with this one. The Ravens was very uh, – I thought it was a very bold prediction to start the year. I had them finishing last in their division uh, at 8-9. and nine. And who knows, you know, how close that would have came to fruition. I don't think they, I don't think they would have finished – uh, actually, I can't say. I, I do think they would have finished last, but but they did not. They they were definitely better than I thought they're going to be. And uh, yeah, you really nailed this one, uh, Joe Burrow. Though that was definitely a big X factor. I think the Bengals probably would have been better off. I mean, if he had stayed in there, who knows how would that would have played out? But uh, yeah, definitely, I think this was uh, a big win on your part for this division. Yeah. And after that, we'll go into a division that uh, we didn't do so hot in in the AFC South. And in that division, I had 12 points and Rob with a measly two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jaguar saving my butt on this one from being a, a zero like I had last year uh, in the AFC West, um, getting me my two points there. Um, so, yeah, I thought the Jaguars are going to be a really good team this year. I obviously had, you know, Lawrence doing some really good things. I thought the Jaguars could make a deep playoff run. Obviously, not the case. Titans, I also thought were going to be quite good. And Texans and Colts, I thought were going to be bottom feeders. And Texans and Colts really just shocked the world, especially the Texans. Yeah. I mean, Texans at 10 and 7, Jags at 9 and 8, Colts at 9 and 8, and Titans at 6 and 11 for this division. Very surprising there. Yeah, like definitely. Like, like this was a very surprising division. And the NFL, yeah, nobody seeing uh, Houston or Indy as good as they were. And then Jacksonville, I think, falling quite short of expectations. Yeah, and this should be a, like this should be a very tumultuous division next year. We have a lot of unknowns. Like how how are the Jaguars going to respond? You know, what was was two years ago who they really are was last year who they really are. You know, that's going to be interesting. The Texans and CJ Stroud can they keep it up with a bit of lackluster talent? And then what does Anthony Richardson look like? I mean, he looked pretty decent, pretty good actually when he was in there. So and you know, obviously the Titans they're probably just going to be garbage next year. But Jags, t- Texans, and Colts are going to be very interesting to see them duke it out next season. This could be a really fun division going forward. For sure. And after that, we'll head into the NFC, where in the NFC East, I had 37 points and Rob had 45, doing quite well with that division. And the standings for that division, we had the Cowboys at 12 and 5, Eagles at 11 and 6, Giants at 6 and 11, and Commanders at 4 and 13. And yeah, Rob doing very well, correctly predicting both the Cowboys and Eagles records. Yeah, this one was, I think, my best division, I think, without a doubt, uh, this season. Like you said, getting the record of the Cowboys and the Eagles exactly correct and pretty close on the Giants, only two games off and one game off on the Commanders. So I just kind of saw this division um, for what it was. And the Eagles scared me after they got off to a really hot start, but that you know that historic collapse at the end made this a very good division for me. Yeah, I, I think honestly, I, I might have underestimated how good the Cowboys would be in the regular season, and it probably overestimated Philly a little bit. But, I mean, I, even I had my reservations about what I picked for Philly. I didn't like it when I first done it. And as for the Giants, I think we both did pretty well for them overall. Uh, as I think we both predicted, they would drop off this season. And Commanders, they're just a uh, kind of garbo funk. 
Yeah, but Sam Howell definitely brought some excitement, you know, showing us he's a top-tier elite Hall of Famer quarterback there. Whatever helps you sleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) And after that, we can head over to the NFC West, where I had 30 points and Rob had 30 points. And in that division, we had the 49ers at 12 and 5, the Rams at 10 and 7, Seahawks at 9 and 8, and Cardinals at 4 and 13. Yeah, this one I had the Niners correctly predicted at 12 and 5. Um, but the rest of the division threw me off a little bit. Had no idea the Rams were going to come out and play like they did. Um, should have, maybe so should have saw that coming. You know, only two years removed from being the Super Bowl champs. And uh, Rams, I think definitely the biggest surprise. I, I'm really. Uh, it was impressed by what they were able to do with Puka Nakua just showing out and that defense of young players really coming to play this season. A great job by McVay coaching those guys up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, neither of us got any points for the Rams, but it ended up being close enough with the with uh, both Seattle and Arizona to get us some points. Because 30 is not a terrible score. Yeah, not at all. And and with Seattle, you know, getting rid of Pete Carroll and Geno Smith, I just don't think he's going to be able to be the guy to put you know put them over the edge here. Going to be interesting to see how how they do going forward. And same with the Cardinals, you know, do we really believe in Kyler Murray still? Like, I'm not so sure about that. Right. And after that, we can head over to the NFC North, where I had 40 points and Rob had 35. And in that division, there was Detroit at 12 and 5, Green Bay at 9 and 8. Minnesota at seven and ten, and Chicago at seven and ten. Yeah, I mean, I was fairly close uh, on this one, getting the order of the teams correct, but slightly off on each of their records. Um, Green Bay and Detroit, I thought it was going to be a closer battle than it ended up being. I thought they're going to be neck and neck all year for that division title. I think that's what the case is going to be going to next year. They're going to be very neck and neck. And the Vikings, I really, it was a travesty when Kirk Cousins got hurt because I thought they could have done so, uh, quite a bit of damage with how they were coming on. But overall, I think we both did fairly well in this division. Yeah, I was really happy with because uh, I think this went actually quite similarly to how I was thinking it would go with Detroit winning that division and Green Bay kind of being pesky around that wild card spot and Chicago being much lower than people had thought. I mean, like, it feels like years ago now, but going into this season, people were projecting Chicago really high. Yes, that was ridiculous. And I think we both knew, that, like, this is ridiculous. I mean, Fields was like a top five fantasy quarterback in a lot of people's mock drafts like the bears were like the sneaky oh they're gonna win the north like definitely getting in the wild card like no they're not they're still the bears and they're still not good yeah that, yeah that, that was kind of crazy yeah and then after that we'll finish up in with the team records in the nfc south where i had 15 points and rob had 40 and in that division we had the buccaneers at nine and eight the Saints at nine and eight, the Falcons at seven and ten, and the Panthers at two and fifteen. Yeah, so in this one, uh, I had you know the Saints winning the division at nine and eight, and then although they achieved that record, the Bucks were just a little bit better than them, also having nine and eight and getting some tiebreakers there. I, I think I saw the uh, I predicted this one fairly accurately. I saw the uh, fabric of of all the teams and just how they would look. I think pretty well. Nobody really surprised me. The only thing that was the difference, I think, was Baker Mayfield was just better than I thought he was going to be this year, point blank. And that's what pushed the Bucks over the Saints. Yeah. And I think for me, this is my division of overestimations for sure. Having the uh, the, the Falcons at uh, 11 and 6 and the Panthers at 8 and 9. Whew, maybe those were awful picks. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it might happen next year. Maybe. Then after that, 
we do have our NFL awards for this one. So in our NFL awards for MVP, I was able to correctly predict that having Lamar Jackson as my MVP preseason. Very so nice. pretty happy with that one. Yeah, I had Trevor Lawrence at the MVP uh, for this one. And uh, yeah, I thought the Jags was just going to be a lot better than they were, you know, having, bringing in Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. I, I also really liked, you know, Ingram on there. I thought they would have a, a nice explosive offense. Obviously did not pan out, but Lamar Jackson – MVP, very good pick by you on there. You were the Ravens. You were just all over them this year. It looked like you, you just really predicted them quite accurately this season. I did. And then offensive MVP, I was in a similar thought with you, and I had Trevor Lawrence. Mm. Yeah, for that one, I had Nick Chubb, and uh, he was balling out, you know, like he, like he normally does, but it was impossible to say whether he would have had a decent chance at it because obviously that devastating knee injury. Then at a defensive player of the year, I had Micah Parsons getting me some uh, some nomination points there. Yeah, I did as well. Faltered out towards the end of the year, but looked like he had a shot there. Yeah. And then offensive rookie of the year, I had Bryce Young, which could have been farther from the truth. <laughs> oh, that's not a great one there. Uh, yeah, I had Jameer Gibbs for the Detroit Lions, and uh, yeah, he just wasn't a big enough part of the offense. Did play some good football this year, but just wasn't the worker, the horse that I thought he was going to be. And the defensive rookie of the year, I had Will Anderson getting that one correct. Yes, very good one there um, on the Texans. Jalen Carter, I had, I, for Will Anderson, I had some serious concerns about how the Texans' defense was going to look. Um, but obviously they, they you know impressed all of us this year. Carter, I thought was a, a lock for this award. I really liked uh, his college you know resume coming out of there and going joining this really elite Philly line. Had a pretty good season, but not anywhere near the the caliber of a defensive rookie of the year. And then that coach of the year, oh, man, I'm so ashamed of this pick. I had Arthur Smith. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Say that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I picked Arthur Smith. Arthur. Oh, my gosh. Oh, this one is coach just... I value you're going to hate so much. <laughs> that was just an awesome, like, throughout the season, I forgot that you picked him. And it was just week after week, we would just be saying, like, why is he not using his, like, players? Like, this is just awful coaching. And then, like, you know, towards the end of the year, I just looking back and I see, like, who did you pick for coach of the year? I see Arthur Smith. I'm just on the floor laughing at that one. Um, yeah, hopefully he has better fortunes in Pittsburgh. Uh, but I picked Mike Tomlin. I thought he did a pretty good job this year, but uh, he certainly didn't do okay. a bad job. But he's never won coach of the year before, and I thought this could be his year. Yeah. And then at comeback play of the year, a uh, pick that we both thought was a uh, pretty much a shoe in, getting some not only getting some nomination points for it though with Demar Hamlin. Yeah, this was a shock. Like I really thought this was like because I thought they were just going to approach this as like, look, this this guy like almost died. I mean, I guess you could say he did die on the field and it was resuscitated, brought back, and you know this is like as sure as luck as any. But uh, I think they I think they made the right choice in going with like okay who actually played well this season because I think that's what it's about you know yeah, obviously it's a great comeback story for Demar Hamlin but we're, we're talking about comeback player and um, you know I probably would have went with Baker Mayfield but Joe Flacco I thought he he he, he it was kind of a fair um, shot for him as well yeah so in total for the awards I had thirty points and Rob had twenty 
And now go on to the final aspect of our season predictions is the playoffs. This goes hand in hand with that simulator is the very end of it. So through my playoffs, I was able to get some points off of correctly getting to the divisional round, the Chiefs, Ravens, 49ers, Lions, and Bills. But the luck almost stopped right after that as I was only able to get the Ravens and the Lions in the conference championship and that's where my points end so it's 40 points for me in the playoffs but rob on the other hand had some very good results in the postseason as he correctly had in the divisional round the bills chiefs lions and 49ers then in the conference championship the chiefs and 49ers and his super bowl he had the team to correct with the Chiefs and 49ers. So a big round of applause for him for correctly predicting the Super Bowl teams at the start of the season. That's really amazing. Yeah, I mean, this so was... that was a total, total 70 points for him for the playoffs. Yeah, this was something that saved my uh, season predictions. I mean, they, were, they weren't bad, but this one, they that, that Chiefs 49ers going all the way pushed it over the edge. And it uh, would have been even better if the 49ers had won it, as I predicted at the start of the year. But uh, nonetheless, you know, I'm pretty proud of that prediction. Yeah. So now it is time to reel our total points total for the year. Drum roll. Here we go. And the total points for the 2023-2024 season was Scott with a total of 289 and Rob, the winner, with a total of 292. the closest it's ever been yeah this is the the closest that we've done it in the four years we've done this now and the highest total combined so i think a pretty good year for us overall very good year i think you you kind of dominated the afc i think i edged you out in the nfc and uh edged you out in the playoffs a little bit just to push it over the edge well i think you did better in the awards so i think we each had our categories like you had the afc in the awards and i had the nfc in the playoffs yes but yeah, definitely, definitely some some good predictions uh, on several different fronts. Yeah, and I, really, much better than last year, I think we could say. Yeah, so and I, I think this is overall just been a very successful season too for Mark My Words Football Podcast. Yeah, it's been a very fun year. We really tried to put some work into this year, and uh, you know, it, it was a lot of uh, schedule, um, you know, a lot of wild things going on with those schedules. But we managed to record an episode every single week for you guys and getting in all our you know predictions all our bets and all our analysis of all the games this year you know we did them all we made every single episode and uh, we definitely put a lot of effort into it and we thank you all for you know listening to this podcast and uh, supporting it in the way that you do for sure and we look forward to a an exciting season next year um, and we will take this back up in August with our season predictions. And we now look forward to hopefully an eventful off season. And we're going to see what happens there. But at this time, we would like to say goodbye 
to all of you. We thank you again for your viewership. It is greatly appreciated. Feel free to like, follow, and subscribe. We are on all platforms. And this has been Mark My Words Football Podcast with Rob and Scott. And we are tuning in.